Hello, and welcome to CF Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez, and I want to thank you for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and visit cfmiami.org connect to fill out a connection card. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. You'll also find a little gift in your inbox when you fill it out. And now, Pastor Rick is going to continue in our single series called The Single Life. Let's listen in. The Bible says this, but Ruth re- replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And here's what I love. Your God, what? My God. God. Well, would you grab a seat at, at all of our campuses? And I want to set this up by sharing this with you. Back in 2012, Rhonda and I spent a week in the home of some friends up in the Carolinas. And as it turned out, their 22-year-old daughter, single daughter, was there as well. By by the way, our friends' names are Steve and Debbie. Their daughter's name is Mary. And Mary introduced Rhonda and I to a reality TV show called The Bachelor. How many of you have ever seen The Bachelor? Yeah, yeah, there's a reverse of it called The Bachelorette. Now, I, I only watched this one episode on it. But let me give you the quick skinny on The Bachelor. To begin with, The Bachelor is situation reality. And here's the situation every season. One bachelor is introduced to 25 bachelorettes. Or to put it in the vernacular, one single guy is introduced to 25 single girls. And at the end of the season, he will choose one of them to become his bride. He will choose one of them to marry. And so these 25 bachelorettes spend every episode of the entire season trying to woo this guy to marry them, trying to incite this guy to choose them, trying to seduce this guy to select them as his bride. But listen, listen, if there is one word that describes this reality show as I see it, if there's one word that described it, it would be this, this word, desperation. (laughs) Yeah, and by that I mean desperate singles doing whatever it takes, physically, emotionally, sexually, combatively, whatever it takes to get this bachelor to choose them, or the reverse, to get the bachelorette to choose them. And let me tell you something, folks, just the one episode I saw, the drama (laughs) is crazy. I mean, when I watched The Bachelor, these girls were drama queens. I mean, they're crying. (laughs) And they're begging this dude, marry me, not her. I need you, I need love. And then on The Bachelorette's the reverse, you know, it's, it's, it's drama kings. I haven't seen this, but I've been told, you know, it's, it's men strutting around like peacocks. Who's, got, who's the buff, most buffed? 
But folks, I got to tell you, this one episode that I watched, this is what I've seen, it was laughable. I mean, I just found myself laughing at this. But then after a while, I thought, it's really kind of sad. It's sad. Because this reality show is a reality for many single people. In fact, I was speaking with, recently with one of the single ladies in our church, and she said to me with tears in her eyes, she said, Rick, find me a man. <laughs> she was serious. She said, find me a man who loves God. Find me a man who will love me. Find me a man who actually wants to get married. And who knows, maybe, maybe that's been your lament. Maybe you came in here today and you're single. And you're somewhere between desperately seeking a spouse to wholesale resigned to just spend the rest of your life as a single person. By the way, as I told you last weekend, 41%, actually more than 41% of the adult population at Christ Fellowship are single. Now, mind you, there are different kinds of singles, right? There's singles never married. There's singles got married, got divorced, single again. There's singles got married, spouse died, single again. But listen, listen, here's, here's the point I want you to get. If you're single at Christ Fellowship, you're not in some tiny little minority over in a corner of the church. No, you have a lot of company at Christ Fellowship. And here's what you need to understand about your single life. Your single life matters to God. God cares about you and God has a plan for your life. You know, we said last weekend, your life is your story. This is your story. And every day, you are writing the story of your life. And what we wanted you to remember from last time is this single chapter in your life matters to God. For some of you, it's more than one chapter. But this single chapter or these single chapters matter to God, and God wants them to matter to you. And God wants you to leverage this time when you're single for all it's worth so that you live a great story. Because as we said last time, there are opportunities that you have as a single person right now that you're not going to have anymore once you get married. And so God wants you to leverage this single chapter of your life. But listen, listen, here's what I want to talk to you about today. God gives us a book in the Bible, an entire book of the Bible that zeroes in on the single life. This book of the Bible is about a woman who becomes single again, and her name is her name is Ruth. And here's what I love about Ruth, folks, and this is my proposition today. This is what I want all of us, especially you singles, to walk out the door with. The book of Ruth gives single people a strategy for finding a spouse. And not only finding just a spouse, but finding the right spouse. Now, if you're single, you might, say, you might be saying, I'm in. 
What's the strategy? Help. What's the strategy? We're going to find out as we look at this wonderful story called the book of Ruth. Because in this story, Ruth gives us a three-step strategy. Ruth gives singles a three-step strategy for finding Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. We're going to look at those three steps. How many of you have your listening guides at all of our campuses? Yeah, if you're a guest with us today for the first time, by the way, my name's Rick. I serve as the lead pastor here. But if you're a guest with us for the first time, we like to take notes. This is one you'll want to take notes on because even if you're not single, you want to remember this and you might want to give it to somebody who is. So you ready for the strategy? Everybody ready? All right, here we go. Number one, step number one, follow God. Follow God. Everybody say follow. Follow. Everybody say follow. Follow. Yeah, listen, to skip over step one, this first step, is going to be to trip over all the rest of them. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, yep, this is exactly what I expected a preacher to say. Follow God, you know, just follow God and Prince Charming, like Cinderella, is just going to knock at my door. Follow God and the girl of my dreams is going to poof out of the air. Yes, that's exactly what I thought from a preacher. Well, listen, I want to encourage you, indulge me for for, for a few moments. Humor me and follow this story. Because Ruth not only has a great story, she has a great strategy for meeting the man or the woman of your dreams. So let's look at her story. Here we go. Let's pick it up in verse one. If you don't have a Bible, it'll come up on the screen. So let's follow the narrative. Here we go. In the days of the judges, Ruth chapter one, verse one, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So this would be the land of Israel, Judah as it's called. Watch this. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of where? Yeah, Moab. Now, just an FYI. Moab was a pagan country. And by that, I mean the Moabites worshipped idols and false gods as opposed to the true and living God, Yahweh. Anyway, let's go back to the story. With that in mind, listen to this. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. Yeah, Naomi. And the names of the, his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now stop right there. I want to help you kind of picture this in your head. So I'm, I'm going to ask... Um, Elimelech, I have to remember his name, Elimelech, this is going to be Elimelech, yep, Elimelech's coming up, and this is Naomi, his wife, little known fact, Naomi actually wore glasses back in the day, not true, anyway, so, and they have two sons, Malon and Kilion, so here they come, just want to give you a picture of this, so picture it, they all live in Judah, in Israel, but there's a famine there. So they decide 
they're going to go where there's food. So they move to the pagan country of Moab. Get it? All right, let's pick up the story. So they're in Moab. Verse 3. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, yeah, he died. <laughs> and she was left with her two sons. So sorry, bro, you're out of here, man. Short story for you. All right, so she's left with her two boys. Now watch what happens in verse 4. They, that is the two sons, married Moabite women. That would be pagan women. One named Orpah. So where's my Orpah? Here comes Orpah. And the other's name was who? Ruth. Ruth. Now, we haven't, we haven't practiced this, so I'm watching it kind of like you are, okay? So the two boys get married. Now watch what happens in verse 5. Both Malon and Kilion, what? Died. So, sorry guys, see ya, you're out of here. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husbands. So now you have this older widowed woman along with her two younger widowed daughters, all three of whom are what we would call single again. Yes, single again. So, let's continue the story. Watch what happens. When Naomi heard in Moab, so they're still in Moab, that the Lord had come to the aid of his people, that would be the people of Israel, but by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home there. Verse 7, with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where they had been living, Moab, and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. So the three of them start walking on the road that's going to take them back to Judah. But before they get there, they have this conversation with each other. Verse 8, then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go back, each of you. To your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands to me. In other words, Naomi says, girls, I love you. You loved my boys. You cared for my boys. But you need to go back home. You don't need to follow me. You need to go back home. Verse 9, may the Lord grant that each of you find rest in the home of a Another husband. She's saying, I hope you meet another husband. And then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, no, 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 we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, no, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I'm, am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait till they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you. Verse 14. At this, they wept aloud again. <laughs> I'm hearing this too for the first time, second time. 
So they wept aloud again, and then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, and Orpah starts heading back to Moab. I love this. But Ruth did what? Clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And here's what I really love. Your God, what? My God. God. And so verse 19 says, the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. Let's give it up for our actors. But folks, here's what I love about, here's what I love about Ruth. Because Ruth not only made a decision to follow Naomi, she made a decision to follow Naomi's God, Yahweh. And folks, that decision to follow God changed the trajectory of her life because it now put her on a path. And it was a path that would not only lead her to eternal life, but it was a path that would lead her to her future soulmate. You see, folks, this is so important. The path you follow determines the people and the kind of people you're going to encounter. The Bible says, the Lord is my what? My shepherd. He leads me in the, say it with me. Right paths. In other words, following God is a path. And it puts you on a path that is leading you, following God, following the, to what is right for you. It is leading to you to what is best for you. It will lead you to what is good for you. You say, meaning what? Simply meaning this. Following the right path maximizes the chances that you're going to meet the right person. Turn it around. Following the wrong path maximizes the chances you're going to meet the wrong person. Ruth followed the right path and it led to her husband. That's what happened to me. I met Rhonda just by following God, just by serving God, and God put her in my path. This is what happened to Ruth. And the path that she was on led her to her future husband, and his name was Boaz. Everybody say Boaz. Boaz. Everybody say Boaz. Boaz. Yeah, as you're going to see, Boaz was quite a catch. He was a strong man. He was a man of God. And he was a man who would love Ruth and honor Ruth and treat Ruth like the lady that she was. And so singles, here's the takeaway. Write this down as A and B. This is so important. A, following God can lead you to a Boaz. Write this down as B. Not following God (laughs) can lead you to a Bozo. Everybody say bozo. Bozo. 
Yeah, how many of you have had a bozo in your life? How many of you have dated a bozo, went out with a bozo, went out with a bozoette? Listen, you don't want that, do you? You don't want a bozo. You don't want a bozo, do you? So let me give you a little saying that'll help you. I'm going to say it to you, and then I'm going to get you to say it to yourself. Here's, Here's the saying. Better to want what you don't have than to have what you don't want. So I want us to say that to ourselves. So here it is in C. Let's say it together. Better to want what I don't have than to have what I don't want. So how do you avoid what you don't want and get the person you do want? Here's how you do it. Write this down as little one and little number two. So important. Don't obsess over finding a mate. Oh, no, I'm 25. Where is he? I'm 30, where is she? Oh no, I hit 40. Where, where? Don't do that. Don't obsess over finding a mate. Write this down as a little number two. Focus on following the right path. The Bible says, you, God, make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. In other words, when you're following God, you're on the right path. And when you're following him, listen, he will fill you with joy and happiness. So that you're not looking for somebody to make you happy. Like I said last time, if you're not happy as a single, nobody you meet is going to make you happy. You're just going to make them unhappy. Nobody you meet is going to make you a whole person. Don't look for somebody to make you whole. Start being whole now by following God. Follow him. So step number one, don't trip over it. Focus on following God. Step two, right? This down is number two. Fight. Fight for love. Everybody say fight. Fight. Come on, say it like you mean it. Fight. Fight. Yeah, fight for your future wife. Fight for your future husband. Fight in your quest for marriage. And folks, by, by fight, I mean be bold. By fight, I mean be intentional to get married. By fight, I mean deliberate. By fight, I mean be strategic to get married. Now, folks, I say that because some, some Christians imagine that, okay, I'm following God, so now I just, I'm just going to be passive. And I'm just going to wait for, like Cinderella, for Prince Charming to show up at my door. Listen, following God is not passive. Following God is active. And when you're following God, here's what happens. You know you're on the right path to meet the right person. So now you can be bold. Now you can have confidence. And now you can fight for love. You can fight for marriage. And what I love about Ruth is Ruth gives you three ways to fight for love. So write these down as A, B, and C. Here's the strategy. A. Get 
out of the house. Now, by that, I don't mean move out of the house. That's not what I'm saying. Get out of the house. Listen to what Naomi says to Ruth. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you'll be well provided for. Verse 3, wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes, then go down to the threshing floor. Now, folks, this is so obvious, right? But Naomi is saying the obvious. She's saying, look, Ruth, you need to get out of the house. You need to go out there, and you need to meet some people. You need to meet some guys. And listen, Ruth didn't balk. Why? Because that's just intuitive, isn't it? I mean, that's just axiomatic. If you want to meet somebody, you got to get out there. you got to get out of the house and get out there and meet some people. In other words, live less like Cinderella, waiting, and more like Ruth. Get out of the house. Get out there. Now, I know, I know what some of you are thinking. You're, you, you would say to me, well, Rick, I'm just so busy. You know, my, my schedule's just so busy, I don't have time for it. Or you would say, Rick, I'm just so tired when I get home. I don't feel like doing anything. Or you would say, Rick, I'm introverted. Listen, at some point, you have to maximize and prioritize getting married over your tiredness. you got to prioritize getting married over your introvertedness. And fight for it. And some of you would say, well, Rick, you don't understand. I've been hurt. Bozo hurt me. <laughs> Can I give you a little advice? Don't let Bozo stop you from meeting Boaz. Don't let Bozo et stop you from meeting the girl of your dreams. Let me give you a little, little wisdom from a girl named Anna. Let it go. Let it go. Cut him loose from your mind, from your memory. Cut her loose and let God lead you to the girl, the guy of your dreams. Cut it loose. Don't give anybody control over you like that. You say, well, Rick, where do I go to meet a Boaz? Where do I go? A guy like that or a girl like that. Where do I go? It's simple. Here's where you go. Tell you what, hold that thought. I'm going to come back to it. So write this down as B. about to get ahead of myself. Write this down as B. Get attractional. Get attractional. Naomi tells Ruth, verse 3. What's the first word? Take a bath, girl. (laughs) Put on some perfume. Get dressed in your best clothes and then go down to the threshing floor. Listen, this is so obvious, but sometimes we have to be reminded of the obvious. Because if you're going to attract the kind of person that you want to find, you've got to be attractional. You say, what do you mean, Rick? I mean leverage whatever God has given you. Leverage it. Leverage what, we're all dealt dealt different hands on this stuff, aren't we? But leverage whatever personality you have. Leverage whatever body, leverage whatever looks you have. Leverage it. Listen, this is what I did with Rhonda. (laughs) Listen, when I met Rhonda, 
Rhonda was and still is, but Rhonda was a hottie when I met her. And I was a naughty. Not hot at all. But she was, in fact, Rhonda looked like Kate Jackson, one of the original Charlie's Angels. Take a look. All, everybody was saying, that girl looks like Kate Jackson. That's Rhonda on the left, by the way, just so you know. Rhonda was, everybody was saying, she looks like Kate Jackson. And listen, all of the hot guys were after Rhonda. I'm talking about the football players, the stars, you know, the big stars in town, the, the macho guys. They were all in love with her. And so was I. <laughs> and I decided that I was going to fight for her. I was going to leverage the hand that I had. So I dressed up in my best leisure suit I could have. I, could find. I put on my brute aftershave. Yeah. And, and I buffed this pathetic body as best you could buff it. But listen, listen, listen. I won her. We've been married for 41 years. Listen, listen, what am I telling you? Leverage what you've got. Get in shape. Lose some weight. But get attractional. Get attractional and then see. Write this down. Go to the right places. Go to the right places to meet your Boaz, to meet your girl. Listen to what Naomi says to him. To, to, to Ruth, Ruth, wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, and then go down to the threshing floor. Why the threshing floor? Because that's where she'd find Boaz. That's where Boaz hung out. Listen, singles, if you want to meet the right guy, go to the right environments. You want to meet the right girl, go to the right environments. If you want a godly man, if you want a godly girl, go to the environments and the places that a godly man and that a godly girl hang out. If you want to meet Boaz, go where Boaz hangs out. If you want to meet Bozo, go to the gym. <laughs> Listen, Bozo will tell you what you want to hear. He'll prop up your ego. But Bozo's the wrong guy. You're not going to meet Boaz at the bar. You're going to meet drunk as heck at the bar. Right? You're going to meet dumb as heck at the bar. You want to meet Boaz? Listen, where are you going to meet a godly man? Hello, campuses, the church. So what do you do? Be faithful. Don't be here once every other, you know, once a month, twice a month. Be faithful. Get involved in church. Serve God. Volunteer for a ministry. Join a small group. Listen, listen, if you're looking, let's, let's say you're a girl and you're looking for a godly man who loves the Lord, who's devoted to, for the Lord, let me tell you, that guy's looking for that kind of girl. He himself is looking for his own kind. He's looking for the kind of girl who loves God, who serves God, who volunteers, who's faithful to God. So what do you do? Write this down as D. Be 
the kind of person you're looking for. Be the kind of person you're looking for because that's who you'll attract and that's who will be attracted to you. Step three. Step one, follow God. Step two, fight for love. Be intentional. Step three, focus on alignment. You say, what do you mean? Listen to chapter three, verse 11. And now my daughters, talking to Ruth, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you want, all you ask. And the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble what? Character. Now stop right there. Because that word, no, phrase, noble character, is a translation of the Hebrew word, kayil. And kayil refers to character, specifically to noble character, specifically to strong character, character that has integrity. Listen, that's the kind of woman Ruth was. She was a woman with kayil, strong character. Now, with that in mind, listen to chapter 2, verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. See that word standing? It's the same word in the Hebrew that described Ruth. It's that word kayil. Have I been saying Naomi for Ruth? I feel like I have. Maybe I don't think I have. But anyway, the same word that describes Ruth is the same word that describes Boaz. Boaz was a man of Kayil. He was a man of character. He was a man who had integrity. So, folks, here's what I, what I want you to understand. Here's what's happening. Ruth and Boaz were a match. By that, I mean they, were the, they had the same kind of character. Or to put it in the vernacular here, they were aligned. They were the same kind in character. So write this down as A and B. This is per so important. Don't seek the person you should marry. Now I say that because a lot of Christians think, think that there's this one person out there, the person that they're supposed to marry. And so what happens when they get married and it doesn't work out, their default response is, oops, I missed, I didn't get the right one. I, I, God had another one for me and I missed that one. Listen, I don't think there's the person out there that you're supposed to marry. So don't seek the person that you want to marry. Instead, write this down as B, seek the kind of person that you're supposed to marry. Seek the kind of person that you're supposed to marry. Listen to 2 Corinthians 6. The Bible says, do not be unequally, yoked. here's a key word, what? Yoked. Yeah, yoked together with unbelievers. Now, listen, this is graphic. Because God compares marriage to a yoke. And we all know what a yoke is. A yoke is a wooden harness that joins together two oxen so that they become one. They pull as one. They go forward as one. There's synergy. And they go together in one direction. By the way, what an image of marriage. God says when two pe people get married, the two become what? They become one. It's like being in a yoke. They're two, but they become one in synergy. They become one in mission. 
and they become one in direction. They go in one direction together. Tell you what, back to the oxen. Because for an oxen to go in one direction together, they have to be what's called equally yoked. You say, what do you mean equally yoked? That simply means one cannot be taller than the other. One cannot be weaker than the other. Because what happens when you have a weaker and a stronger ox is the weaker ox will actually drag the stronger ox in his direction or her direction. So that what happens, and I was going to show you this, this laws of fixes. I was going to give you the physical mathematics of it. But what happens is the weaker ox drags the stronger ox in his direction, and they end up walking in what? Circles. Circles. How graphic could God make this? If you, a strong Christian, yoke up together and start dating, or marry, worst case, uh, an unbeliever, Listen, that weaker person is going to drag you off. You're going to want to follow God, but they're going to drag you away from following God. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard married, you know, a couple, you know, engaged or whatever. I, I can change him. I can change him. Never works. Never works. It's like a law of physics. That non-Christian will drag you down and away from God. That weak Christian who says he's a Christian may, may not be, will drag you away, and the two of you will just walk in circles. You have to be equally yoked. You have to be aligned. So write this down as one, two, three, four, and five. I've got to hustle. One, here's how you get aligned. Number one, seek belief alignment. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, folks, this is so important because what the two of you believe about God is the foundation of the whole relationship. What you believe about God determines how you see yourself, how you see each other, and how you see God. Also, what you believe about God determines what you value. As a believer, you're going to value righteousness, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. But an unbeliever is going to see no value in that. That's why the text says, listen to it, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and unrighteousness, wickedness, have in common? In other words, you're going to be trying to walk a righteous life, a godly life, they're not seeing no value in that. They're going to be pulling you in circles. Don't do it. Do not date, much less marry an unbeliever. Secondly, seek purity alignment. Why? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for we, that is Christians, are the what? Temple. The temple of the Holy Spirit. Listen, child of God, your body is the temple of God's presence. You are the Ark of the Covenant, your body, male or female. You say, meaning what? Meaning you have sex with only one person, your person you're married to, your partner, only that person. 
that God has brought to you. Do not, do not, do not yoke up with somebody who says, I love you, let's have sex. Uh, we'll talk about marriage some other time. Listen, he's probably not going to marry you. He's probably just going to use you. She's not, probably not going to marry you. She's going to use you. Don't do it. So practical. Number three, seek goal alignment. And by that, I mean if your goal is to get married, don't date a player. Duh. You're only going to get used. You're only going to get abused. But sometimes in desperation, people do st stupid things, right? Don't do it. You're going to get hurt. Marry somebody who has the goal that you have to marry. Number four, seek treatment alignment. How do you want to be treated? By the way, do you know what, you know what Ruth means in Hebrew? It means compassion. If someone is Ruth-less, it means they have no compassion. Listen, if you're a compassionate person and you treat people with kindness and respect and gentleness, do not date, much less marry somebody who's not going to treat you properly, who's going to hurt you, who's going to abuse you. Listen, be discerning in who you date, who you go out with. Discernment, by the way, simply means to separate things. This goes over here, that goes over there. You see things as they are. You know, good and bad, right and wrong. Will marry me one day has no chance of marrying me. A player or somebody who's serious. Listen, be discerning. Separate it out. Use your head. And then finally, write this down as five. five. Seek financial alignment. This is so important. Nothing destroys marriages like people who are unequally yoked financially. Listen, if you're dating a girl who loves debt, she's going to love it after she gets married. You date a guy who's okay with debt, he'll be okay with it after he's married. And you're not going to be married to a Boaz, you're going to be married to a broke as heck. Listen, listen, I'm going to close with this. Don't look for potential. People say, well, he's got potential. So he's got, for poten he's got potential. Don't look for potential. Listen, look for patterns. Look for patterns. Because that's what you're going to get. Look for patterns. What a great strategy. Amen? Amen. You want to meet Mrs. Wright? You want to meet Mr. Wright? Three steps. Number one, follow God. Number two, Fight for marriage. And then number three, focus on alignment. Well, I love you all. Singles, love you. Praying for you. Follow God, love you too. Follow God, focus on alignment. Well, let me pray for all of us. Let's all bow our heads at all of our campuses. Christ Fellowship, I love you all. Local campuses, global campuses, online. I love you so much. So let's all bow for prayer right now. You join me as we pray together. Father, I pray for all of us at Christ Fellowship. God, you are our shepherd. May we follow you 
as you lead us in the paths of righteousness. And God, as we follow you, may we resolve to fight for love. For those of us us who are already married, may we fight for the love that we have for that person we're married to. May we fight and never give up. And Lord, for those who are unmarried and who have a desire to marry, may they be bold in their quest. May they be intentional, strategic. And then, Lord, may we all seek relational alignment. May we be discerning not only as singles, but even as married people. May we be discerning who we get close to. May we separate things and see them as you see them. And Lord, I speak for all of us at Christ Fellowship. We love you, Lord God, so much. And we thank you for the way that you love us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask all our campus pastors to come forward now. I love you all, Christ Fellowship. God bless you. What an awesome message by Pastor Rick. If you made a decision to follow after Christ or to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Visit cfmemmy.org connect to let us know of your decision. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.